Let's all get on the same page here for a moment, can we? I'm going to ask you a really obvious question. All you have to do is nod and not respond, okay? Any of you ever goofed up before? Some of them go, mm-mm, not me. Okay, and some of us going, yeah, uh-huh. Goofed up. Here's what I'm talking about. I mean really goofed up. I mean a doozy, a humdinger, the, the kind of thing you cannot believe you would ever do. Said, no way that's ever going to happen to me. And they turn around and you do it. That kind of a goof up. Giant mistake, a lapse in judgment, just plain stupid. No way you can call it anything but sin. Have you ever made that kind of a decision? I'm all alone here, huh? Well, I have. The kind of thing you just can't believe you would ever do and then you did it. Uh, the fact is, we all have. The question is, what happens then? then? Then what do we do? We're going to look at a conversation today as we wrap up our look at the Gospel of John, a conversation that happened between Jesus and Peter. And it's really a bookend, if you will, to something that had happened, a conversation between them that had happened uh, a few weeks earlier. And the, the conversation was... Jesus was about to be betrayed. He was about to be handed over to the religious, religious authorities and the Roman authorities. He was about to go through some mock trials and then he was going to be crucified. And before all of that began, he, he talked to Peter. And what he said to Peter is, before morning, you'll deny me three times. And Peter says, no way, Jesus, not me. Other people might turn their back on you, but I never will. I will love you. I will never deny you. There is no way that's ever going to happen. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows three times, you will have denied me. Not only did Peter deny Jesus, but you know what he did? He denied even knowing him. He denied having any association with him. He denied being connected to him in any way. He said, nope, I don't know the guy. What I find so interesting about this, though, is we get to this bookend, which kind of closes out that little bit of an incident in Scripture. Nowhere does the Bible say that Peter ever apologized. Nowhere does the Bible say that in this, the third time that Peter has gotten to see Jesus since Jesus rose from the grave, nowhere in those three opportunities did Peter say, Jesus, I'm really sorry. You told me, and I just, I don't know what I was thinking, but he never apologized. He never asked for forgiveness. He never so much as said he was sorry. But what about when, when you're the one who's been sinned against? What, what do you do when you're the one that someone has done something to? Maybe it's somebody that doesn't even realize what they've done. They, they, they don't know the effect or the implication that their actions have had on your life. Maybe they figure it's been enough time, they just maybe you forgot. Maybe you're still in contact with them and it's pretty obvious that they just don't care. What do you do with those people? Because Jesus is in the position with Peter that Peter has just apparently completely decided not to talk about it. Denies Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would. No apology, no asking for forgiveness. So Jesus shows in this text what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love them. We don't attack them. We don't corner them. We don't judge them. We do the most difficult thing of all. What Jesus would have us do is to love them. So speaking of mistakes, before we get any further, I made a doozy and a humdinger of one last week. And I heard about it. In my exuberance, 
to tie in Forrest Gump to Peter jumping out of the boat, I referred to Forrest's good friend as Captain Dan. As we all know, he is actually... Thank you, you all knew that and nobody said anything. <clears throat> He's Lieutenant Dan. He never achieved the rank of Captain Dan. And, you know, nobody said anything after the first service. So I had the opportunity to say it again and make the same mistake in the second service. And then I started hearing about it. I was wrong. Dan is Lieutenant Dan, not Captain Dan. And so to Dan, who probably appreciates the upgrade Forrest, who probably doesn't much care, but all the fans out there, I apologize. I made a mistake. I need to come clean on that, but that's not the kind of mistake we're talking about. We're talking about serious ones, ones that really matter. That's what happened with Peter and Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the 21st chapter of John. I want to go to the 15th verse. I'm not going to tell you where to plug yourself into the story. I'm not going to tell you where in this passage you and I fit in. But I, I think, unfortunately, it's pretty obvious. We see it pretty clearly. And so, at least for the first part of it, I'm going to leave that up to you to do for yourself. Chapter 21, verse 15. When they'd finished breakfast, now you've got to remember last week what we talked about is the guys had been out in the boat fishing, uh, Peter and some of the other guys, and it was at night, and Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. The other guys say, hey, I'll go with you. They go spend the entire night out in the boat. They don't catch a thing. They get skunked. Some guy on the shoreline yells out to them, toss your, toss your net out the right side. So they did. Caught 153 fish in one cast. As they're on the way back into land, this guy is, is on the shoreline and it seems that he started a fire and he's got some fish cooking and he's brought some bread and it turns out to be Jesus. He's got breakfast waiting for them. So it says, when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? It's the third time that Peter has seen Jesus since the resurrection. Twice in the upper room where Jesus appeared... Bible says he appeared even though the doors were locked. And now Jesus comes to Peter on the beach when Peter has gone home to go fishing. At this point, Peter has yet to apologize. He's yet to say that he's sorry. The meal is done. And Jesus turns to Peter. And I have to wonder if Jesus didn't wait because he's thinking, you know, this conversation isn't going to sit real well with Peter. So let's have a nice meal first, then we'll talk business. So Jesus has the courtesy of waiting. He turns to Peter and he addresses him not by the name Peter, which means rock. Instead, he addresses him by the given name, his formal name, the name that he would have had as a child growing up in his father's house. He refers to him as Simon, son of John or son of Jonas. Remember when he yelled out to these guys in the boat? He said, children, have you caught anything? And now he refers to Peter by the name that he would have had as a child, recognizing not who he is as a man, but rather who he is as the son of his father. Jesus looks at him and he says, Simon, son of John. He's essentially referring to him as a youth. Not calling him Peter does something else, though. It's letting him know that the place and the recognition that he once had had been lost. He doesn't refer to him as Peter the Rock anymore. And it's fair because Peter no longer has standing as Peter the Rock because the rock crumbled with the three denials. And so Jesus, in just simply the way that he addresses him, is bringing all of that to the forefront for Peter without having to say any of it specifically out loud. So Jesus asks Peter, he says, Do you love me more than these? 
Well, we got a couple of options as I started thinking about it. I think for the most part, what we assume is Jesus says, do you love me more than these, which were the other disciples that had been fishing with Peter? He had gone home with his friends. Gone home to his family. He'd gone back to the line of work that he'd known. Jesus had died. And even though he'd come back to life again, he went back to fishing because that's what Simon knew. And so Jesus does one of two things, I think, if he were to gesture. Either he would have said, do you love me more than these? And he would have referred to the other disciples. Do you love me more than these guys? Do you love me more than the the guys you grew up with? Do you love me more than your fishing buddies? It's a fair question. The other thing that occurs to me that Jesus might have done is he might have gone the other way and he said, do you love me more than these? Pointing to the boat and the water and the fish and the net. Either way, he's saying, Simon, what matters to you the most? Do you love your life and your friends and your work more than you love me? See, Jesus is the one that says, if those who love your life will lose it. And I think he's trying to get Peter to understand, you need to make a decision here, son. What is it that's most important to Peter? He's challenging Peter to consider what really holds his heart. What really is number one in his world. I find it curious what Peter does, or Jesus doesn't ask Peter. You know what he doesn't ask? He said, Peter, after what we've just been through, because I heard you, I heard you outside in the courtyard deny me. I heard you say you didn't even know me. Do you even respect me, Peter? Would have been a fair question. Peter, do you even trust me? Do you even trust that what I said to you was true? But he didn't ask that. Do you even like me? Do you believe in me? Do you have any faith in me? He doesn't even ask Peter, are you sorry for what you did? He says, do you love me more than these? It's a fair question. Because what it really cuts to is, what is most important to Peter's heart? Because what Peter has shown Jesus is that his heart doesn't belong to Jesus. Peter's heart belongs to Peter. Where does your heart belong? Who or what owns it? What matters to you if you had Jesus standing before you? Do you love me, he would say, or do you love, and he'd point to what he knows really matters to you, whether it was the people or the things or the stuff or the money. What would it be? What really holds your heart? This is a one-on-one conversation between Jesus and Simon. But you know what? The same thing holds true for you and I. What holds your heart? Simon responds to him. He he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He, Jesus, said, Feed my lambs. Jesus asked Peter in the Greek. There's different words in Greek for love. Agape and phileo and eros. Godly love and brotherly love and and romantic erotic love. And, And Jesus says, Do you love me like God loves you? Do you love me the way I love you, Peter? Do you love me in a love that puts me before everything else that you have in your life? That's the kind of love that God has for us. The kind of love that lives through and from Jesus. The kind of love that God showers on us, but we're humanly unable to return to God or to love each other with. Agape love is love that is completely obedient and fully submitting to the will of God. Peter arrogantly and quickly responds, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He he doesn't say agape. He says phileo. I love you like a brother. But what he's shown Jesus, what he's proven, is that he has a desire for that love in his head. 
But that love for Jesus isn't in his heart. It certainly isn't in his actions. Peter has shown that he's really not any different for his time with Jesus than he was before. And we know that because he denied him. Jesus lets him have his pride. He doesn't, he doesn't challenge him on it. Then he says, feed my lambs. Feed the little ones. Feed the babies. Feed the young in faith. Remember, Jesus has just called these guys children. He says, and take care of ones like you. Feed the little ones. Feed the ones that aren't going to challenge you. They're not going to give you a hard time. They're not going to be the ones that, that give you any difficulty. Provide for them food, shelter, protection for the lambs. Last week, Jesus talked about, or excuse me, last week, a week ago Wednesday, Jeff talked about how true love has taken over the world. That's the kind of love Jesus is talking about. Agape love. True love. Love that truly changes people and changes the world. And he says, Peter, feed my lambs. It would seem that what Jesus is doing is commissioning Simon to a new entry-level position. Lambs are not prone to run away. They just simply need attention in order to be cared for. And, and Jesus is saying, feed the little ones. Feed the ones that are easy to take care of. The ones that are easy to love. Nourish them with spiritual food and, and, and teach them. But he doesn't ask Peter. He says, if you love me, then feed them. He told him to. So he looks at him a second time. Remember how many times Peter denied Jesus? Three. Jesus is going to come back to Peter and give him three opportunities to show his love. So he says to him a second time, Simon, son of John, he does not call him Peter. He will not ever again. Jesus doesn't one time refer to Simon as Peter anymore. He is now Simon, son of John, his childhood name. Do you love me? Simon says to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Do you agape love me, Simon? Do you love me the same way I love you? Once again, Simon just responds immediately. And he says, Yeah, I phileo love you, Jesus. I love you like a brother, man. But he's making sure that he's not saying anything too far out of bounds because Jesus isn't the Lord of his life. Peter's his own Lord. Fear is the Lord of his life. Remember who it was that asked him? Aren't you with him? Aren't you one of his followers? It was a little girl, a little slave girl. He said, Aren't you one of his? Peter says, No way. Don't even know the guy, man. Mm-mm. Not a part of that bunch. Fear is the Lord of Peter's life. So much so that he denies even knowing Jesus, his Savior and Lord. And yet, here he is with all sincerity telling Jesus, Yeah, I love you, man. You know that I do. At least Peter responds that it's a different kind of love. It's, it's brotherly love. It's not the unconditional love that Jesus has for Peter. It's friendly love. It's, it's the love that we have for friends and, and each other, phileo love, a much more realistic kind of love to agree for, agree with, excuse me. A love of brotherly concern, not the kind of thing that Jesus has for us. So he says to him, Jesus does, tend my sheep. Jesus raised the stakes a little bit here. We've just gone from lamb to sheep. Tend my sheep. What I think is interesting is the word in the Greek here is better translated than tend. It's better translated as shepherd. Jesus says to Peter the first time, feed my lambs. Then he says, shepherd my sheep. Well, that, that's a lot more responsibility. You've got to lead them. You've got to provide them. You've got to protect them. You've got to make sure that they've got food and water. 
You've got to make sure that all of these things that, that sheep need a strong leader to do that you provide, it's an elevated amount of responsibility. Sheep aren't always as trusting and as easy to care for as lambs are. This is going to take some effort on Simon's part. Love them, Jesus says, because that's what a shepherd does. Verse 17, he says to him a third time again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This time he says to Peter, do you love me like a brother? And I have to wonder if Jesus' voice said, Peter, do you even phileo love me? Do you even love me like a close friend? And Peter is having to deal with everything that he has just done to deny Jesus and the fact that he never said he was sorry and he never asked for forgiveness. But here he is and he's being taught the lesson by Jesus himself. I think Peter is finally beginning to realize he's never going to love Jesus with the same divine, perfect, godly love that Jesus has for him. And yet here Jesus is continuing to reach out to him. And that goes on in verse 17, and I find this to be kind of surprising. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? Do you get that? Do you get the arrogance in that statement? Jesus is doing His best to bring Peter back home and to give him a place in ministry to continue on in his call. And you know what Peter's response is? Because Jesus asked not one, not two, but three times, even though Peter denied Jesus, not one, not two, but three times, he's grieved. He is upset. He can't believe that Jesus would do that. He gets offended that Jesus would ask a third time. Peter is more concerned about his feelings than his love for Jesus. His feelings are jumping out, not his faithfulness. I wonder how many times that's us. Do we worry more about what we feel than what it is that we're doing for Jesus? So Peter's got the audacity to be grieved, to be offended, even though Jesus had sat in that pit in the bottom of Caiaphas' house and heard for himself, heard for himself, Peter deny him not one, not two, but three different times. Jesus loves him enough to come back and ask, do you love me? Not one, not two, but three different times. I find it to be ridiculous on Peter's part. It is arrogant, it is prideful, it is selfish, it is crazy. And you know what really bugs me? It's me. And it's you. It's who we are and it's what we do. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Now I need you to do this. Jesus, I know you want me to do that, but I'd rather do this. Jesus, I know you want all of my heart, but I'm comfortable giving you this much. I told you you got off the hook for a while. You don't get off the hook all morning. We get grieved and offended when the Bible says things to us that we don't want to have to be or do. We don't like when people stand on platforms and say, here is what God requires of you. Well, He doesn't get to require anything of me. I'll give Him what I want. And we get offended. If we spoke more proper English, we would be honest and say that we were grieved. And He said to him, Lord, You know everything. You know that I love You. Finally, a true statement from Peter. He recognizes that Jesus really does know everything including what's in his head, including what's in his heart. He says, Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you. And I think what he's saying is, Jesus, I love you as much as I can. 
Jesus indeed knows everything that's in Peter's heart. He knows what's in my heart and He knows what's in yours. And He still loves us. And He still forgives us. We're like Peter, you know. We talk big in church. We might talk big with our church friends. We learn a new language. We call it Christianese. We come to Jesus in prayer as though we are all that in a bag of super Christian chips. I worked hard on that. Laugh, please. Come on. 8.30 laughed at that. We position ourselves as though we're Peter, that we're the one, that we, we got everything together. I might have a couple issues to work on, but you know what? I got my act together. But do we? See, Jesus knows the truth. He knows who we really are, what we really love, what we cherish, what our true treasure is. Jesus knows what's really important to us. Back in Matthew 26:33, Peter insisted, while, while others might fall away, he said, Jesus, I will never, I will always be there for you. I will always be the one you can count on. He said, my love and my devotion, they're never going to fail. And Peter has this superhuman arrogance about his faith. And what I realize is Peter has faith in his faith. He believes in how much he believes. But he doesn't really believe in Jesus. And that's an easy trap to fall into. What he really is is a very human man with a faith that is fragile and failing. And all too often what I've seen and you've seen it as well is those of us who bluster about our great faith, who brag about our unshakable devotion, who tell the world about the new creature that we are, are the very same ones that God humbles like He humbles Peter. And all that Jesus asks is, you know what, love me with everything that you are, with your whole heart. Don't go bragging about it. Show me. Show other people. Don't tell them how awesome you are. Go tell them what I've done for them. Tell them about the good news of salvation in me, Jesus says, with anybody who will listen. And what Peter is learning is that true love, true love, bears sweet fruit. The world will know what really matters to you by the fruit that is your life. The world will know what is important to you by the things that you do. Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Feed them. Give them spiritual food, spiritual truth, godly direction. Lead them in love so that my sheep will never go hungry. What Peter's denials did, which is the same thing that our sin does, is it causes a division, it causes a divide between us and Jesus. When Peter denied Jesus three times... It created this giant chasm between them. Peter removed and disqualified himself from his call, from his ministry, from his position and his responsibility, from his relationship with Jesus. And so what did he do? He went back home and he went fishing with his buddies. And all night long it did them no good because they caught not a thing without Jesus. Peter's denials divided himself from Jesus. And Jesus' response to that is to draw Peter back to himself. Every time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He's drawing him back in. He's having him look honestly at his heart and his life and what really matters. One question for each denial. One opportunity to step back into the very flock that Jesus is sending him out to care for. See, Peter's sin caused tremendous damage and heartbreak. 
There's, there's nothing that Peter's ever going to do that's going to recover that because what he said, Jesus heard, and the damage was done. And yet not once, but three times, Jesus questions him about love. Not about devotion, not about commitment, not about what he thinks, but about love. And what Jesus does is effectively restores and recommissions Peter to a life of ministry, but Jesus never calls him Peter again. No longer is Peter the rock, he's simply Simon, the son of John. Then it goes on in verse 18, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But you are, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Jesus, telling, Jesus is telling Peter about his life. He's telling about a part of his life that he knew when he was young, when he had freedom, when he could do whatever he wanted to do. And then he's saying, Peter, but the day will come when you don't make those decisions anymore. And one day someone is going to lead you where you do not want to go and your arms will be outstretched for you. And John says this is his way of telling him about how it is that he was going to die. The Bible doesn't confirm this. The Bible doesn't tell us this part of the end of Peter's life. But Jesus prophesies it, which means it's a promise that is yet to come true for Peter. Tradition does indeed tell us that Peter died on a Roman cross. After his life of ministry, uh, he was condemned to die, and, and he said, I'm not worthy to die the same way that my Lord did. And so what tradition says, not the Bible, but tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down on a Roman cross. I kind of wonder if Peter had completely understood if he wouldn't have run away and never preached another day in his life, but it seems that he ran to a life of proclaiming Jesus. And after this, he said to him, Jesus said to him, follow me. And Peter and the other disciples, they did. Every one of them. Every one of them changed the course of their life to tell people about Jesus. And in this brief encounter, this bookend to what had happened earlier, Jesus restores and again qualifies and commissions Simon, son of John, to his calling to preach the good news of Jesus. However, a couple of things didn't happen. And if we're going to be a, a place that teaches the truth of the Bible, we, we've got to teach what's really there, not what we think about it. One of the things that doesn't happen is that Jesus never calls him Peter again. Jesus never names Peter the first bishop of Rome. Never commissions him to be the first pope. The Bible doesn't tell us those things. Those are human titles assigned to a human church. What Peter did, however, do was to leave the shore of Galilee that day and he lived the rest of his life carrying on the Great Commission along with the other disciples. And, and from this day forward, he lived for Jesus without fail all the way up to the moment he breathed his last on that Roman cross. Verse 25, John concludes the record of his gospel with these words, and I love this. Now there are also many things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Is that not an awesome way to wrap up your telling of the life of Jesus? The world itself could not contain all the books that would be written. All the things that Jesus of Nazareth did during His lifetime. And so what it does is it... And I'm in that moment of awe and it stops me to think... 
What am I doing with my lifetime? Nobody's going to write a book about me. What are you doing with your lifetime? What, what will you live for? Who will you live for? When our children and our grandchildren and our friends remember us after we're gone, I'm not saying what do they say at our funerals. I'm saying when they talk about the real stuff. What do they say about us after we're gone? What do they say will matter to you? What will they recall as being most important? What did you give your life to? What was the cause that you committed everything you had to? Was there anything at all? Family, friends, career, earning money, a house, a car. What was it that mattered? What will they remember you for? The other thing that this passage does, and it's been an interesting week for me, it makes me wonder how much do I really love Jesus? Not how much do I bluster about, how much do I think I do? Do I love Jesus with all that I am, really? Or is the truth that I love Jesus just a little bit more than I love myself? What about you? Do you really love Jesus with all that you are? Or do you love Jesus a little bit more, or a little bit less rather, than what you love yourself? I realize what that really means is this. What do I love more? What do you love more? Do we love Jesus more or do we love our life of sin more? What is more important to us, really? What are the decisions that we make, the actions that we take, where we spend our money? See, I'm like Peter, and I bet you are too. I want to assert, to insist, how much I love Jesus. And I bet you're the same. You're here on a Sunday morning. You're announcing to everybody that you meet that at least you're interested in who He is. That kind of holds you to some sort of expectation. I want to say, I love Jesus with everything I have, but what does the evidence of my life say? What does the evidence of my life show? What about you? Do you love Jesus more or do you love your sin more? What does the fruit of your life show the people around you? See, that's the proof. We can say whatever we want, but what people see in us, that's what they're paying attention to you. Do you really love Him more than these, whatever these are for you? Whether it's the people in your life or the stuff you collect or the money you save, the cars, the houses, what do we really love most of all? That's what we need to be challenged with in this passage today. If we really love Jesus most of all, then we're called, we're commanded to love and to share and to grow and to feed and to nurture His sheep. We're commanded to be a church in this world that goes out and works to make a difference in the world not because of who we are or because of what we do, but because of who Jesus is and what He has done for us. The message is not to go tell people how awesome we think we are. The message is to go tell people how much Jesus loves them and how awesome He is. Peter was real good about talking about how much he loved Jesus. But when it right came down to it, he just didn't show it very well. What about you? What about us? Who has your heart? Maybe the better question is, what has your heart? If you don't know, the way to ask it is maybe, what is the thing that you give your heart, your finances, your time, and your life to? You're here today, and, and so it's not too late. Either you're wondering who Jesus is, either you're at some stage in a walk with Him, maybe you've, you've been walking with Him your whole life. If, if you aren't in a relationship with Him, if He isn't most important to you, Maybe today's your day. I, I pray that today's your day. Maybe you walked with Him for a long time, but you got 
You got off the path. You identify with Peter. Maybe today's the day that you come back home. People say, well, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not sure I'm willing to do that. I'm not sure I'm willing to put it all in for him. Well, let me, let me just say this. Jesus already did everything for you. He gave His life for you, literally, so that you wouldn't have to die in your sin. And all He's asking is that we love Him and live our life for Him. It's really not too much to ask. Who has your heart? And does the world know that that thing or that person has your heart? What does the fruit of your life say about it? Let's pray. God, this is heavy stuff. It's not easy to talk about. It's not easy to listen to. We don't like to think about ourselves like this. But you know, there's so much hope in this challenge. There's so much hope in these verses. Because Jesus came back to Peter. Jesus came back and put himself right in front of him. And he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Just like Jesus keeps coming back to us and asking, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? God, there's tremendous hope in that for us. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you withheld nothing from us, including your Son. Thank you that your Son loved you and loved us and was obedient to you, that he withheld nothing, that he even gave his life. God, thank You that You are the One with all of the power. And that in that power, You raised Him to new life so that we could have new life. That we could be new creations. That we would not have to live in the mistakes and the guilt of our sin, but that we could be forgiven and to live new lives for Jesus. And God, that is what we ask today. That we would live lives that are worthy of Jesus who gave His life for us. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Uh, after the service, our prayer corners, I have people in there. They'd love to have the chance to pray with you or pray for you. Maybe this message hits you in a way today that you need to have some sort of a response to it. We all know that we're sinners. Jesus loved Peter even after his sin. Jesus loves you even after and in your sin. And all He asks is that we love Him and that we live for Him. And, and maybe, maybe you're at the place in your life where you need to just come to the end of yourself and stop doing it all about you and start living for Jesus. If that's where you are today, these folks in the corners would love to have the opportunity to talk to you about it, pray with you, and pray for you. we got one more song before you go. Folks, thanks for coming. Have an awesome week. Hope we see you next Sunday.